Okay, good morning, everybody. I do have a couple of our key staff and a few leaders that have come out and served as an audience for me. So I have a couple brothers and sisters in Christ here with us today. And uh, I'm going to target you basically online, but um, we have an audience with us too. And okay, this is abnormal. All right, this is uh, something different. We haven't done this before. And so I'm even going to sit in a chair in the beginning here. That's how abnormal this is going to be to kind of keep myself in, in the center here because uh, we all know how much I love to walk around. Well, I, I'm praising God that we can do this. I, I'm praising God that we can still get together and still gather here. It, it's a great reminder that the church is not a physical building. It's a great reminder that the church isn't its name. It's a great reminder that a church isn't a time slot. The church, the ecclesia, is the body of Christ. James even wrote, to the church scattered abroad. And we can gather here through technology um, to just kind of get centered on an uncentered week. Have you heard this word at all this week, unprecedented? H have you heard this? Uh, your first child steps. Look at you, right? Um, the, the first time you got your driver's license, and you pulled into a, 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 a drive-through, and you ordered without your parents' money or help. Well, well maybe your parents' money. But, but it was unprecedented. It, it was something you'd never done before. How about the first night you slept in your college dorm after mom and dad drove off, and you went, wow, this is real. I've actually got to take care of myself. Um, when you watched her walk up the aisle, when, when you watched him tear up as you came up the aisle, Maybe that first time you walked in your house and you signed the paper and they said, it's yours. Can you think of unprecedented moments that you've never done or known before? It's hard to think of global moments like that, but we're kind of in one. This is unprecedented territory. We haven't really done this before. There's no playbook for it. And when there's no playbook for something, as believers, we center right in on this word of God, don't we? That's right where we go, and, and let, me, let me just read a psalm here to start us off before we pray, because, oh, you're going to watch how much the Word of God is going to feel good to you right there in your house as you listen today. Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains, for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made the heaven and earth, he will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. He'll stay up all night. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day nor the new moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forever. The Lord will guard you. It was God like, oh my word, I did not see this coming. Gabriel, Michael, did we see this coming? He saw this coming. And I know there's a lot of doomsday articles out there. This is the end of the world as we know it. That's not what we need to be reading right now. I think we do need to take precautions, and that is why your church is here today. This was not a step of fear. This was a step of faith, prudence, and protection, and submission to wisdom. 
But what I truly believe the enemy is going to want to try to use for harm, look out. I had somebody share something with me. He said, you got to see this article. you got to see what, what could happen out of all this. And it was like, oh, this is happening. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. I said, I'm sorry. i got a bigger God than that. I'm sorry. My God's way too big for that. I think there's going to be some neat stuff that comes out of this that you can't even believe. And I bet even this service today, this service today might go out to far more people than it ever would have if it was inside one room. And so I'm looking forward to what God's going to do with this, and I'm praying for protection through this. I'm sorry. I'm not scared. I got a bigger God than that. So today... I pray as we walk through this series we've entitled Lions, Walking Through Fear Amid, Walking Through Faith, excuse me, Walking With Faith Amid Fear. I mean, could it have been more fitting? Um, when we planned this series a month and a half ago, I was working on some of the, the, the series direction for this. Um, I was thinking uh, we would want to be just talking into fear because the country seemed like it had a lot of anxiety growing in it from our talks in the counseling center. No idea this was coming. And, and now I'm preaching it in basically an empty room, a series on faith amid fear, and I pray it blesses you. Look, metaphorically, we taught this line because metaphorically, there's an adversary, Scripture tells us, who is prowling around seeking someone to devour. But metaphorically, God is referred to a lion. The lion of Judah in Joel 3.16 says, The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder for Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble. But listen to this. But the Lord will be a refuge for his people. Church, I believe, I believe that promise is, is just as powerful in the Old Testament as it is in the New. The Lord will be a refuge for his people and he will roar for us. Yes, there's two lines metaphorically in Scripture, but one is toothless and one roars with the power of Judah. Which are you going to listen to during this time? The roar of fear or the roar of faith? I pray this sermon will anchor your soul during this different time, during this unprecedented time as we walk like Lion. So, if you have your scripture today, we're going to have a word of prayer. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Daniel. I'll have the text on the screen right to my right, to my right here. And uh, we're going to walk through chapter 2. And uh, I titled this, it, it's March, I titled this sermon in February, Prudence Amid Panic. I've written about five emails to send to you the, to, this week, church, and none of them have dated well or aged well, they like to say. I wrote the email, and the next day it sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about, so we rewrote it, and then by the time Friday came around, folks, I said, I'm just going to talk to the church, okay? This has aged well. Chapter 2, prudence amid panic, and let's look how Daniel navigated, navigated it and learned from it, okay? Let's pray together in our homes, here in the auditorium. Heavenly Father, use this message to bless people this morning. Lord, many of us here in the Bucks County area have woke up this morning realizing that uh, a lot of our own county is going to be closing its doors outside of the most, uh, the most needy organizations. We'll still have our drug stores. It, it, it seems we'll still have um, grocery stores and things like that. But Bucks County, Lord, seems to be um, kind of the epicenter of where our governor's concern is, along with Montgomery County, Lord. So that's many of our church family. So we just lift them up to you this morning. Calm any anxiety, Lord, they might be feeling. 
may you just wrap your arms around them and say, I've got this. I'm not surprised by this, and I'm going to use this. And, and just, Lord, just don't let the voices of fear talk to our people, but let us be grounded in the word of God. And I pray as we look at Daniel's life, we want to emulate him, for he went through very uncertain times himself, and he followed his Lord, he trusted his Savior. And so, Lord, be with me this morning, Lord. It's the first time I've ever done this, Lord. Would you just speak calm to my heart? And peace as I share this with our church family as I've been saturated in this chapter. And I want the church to feel that as well. And so use this today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the book of Daniel, chapter 2, we have a panicked king, okay? (laughs) We have uh, irrational decisions being made. And we have a young man approximately 20 at this time. He's kind of finished up his three years of Babylonian education, refused the king's food. Him and his fellow partners, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who have been renamed, are now probably in their early 20s. And a new situation arises as we open chapter 2 of Daniel. Read this with me. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Mighty king, often referred to as the king of kings of that time period. Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Wow. Have you ever had a dream where your, your sleep left you, or you ever so troubled you couldn't go back to sleep? Have you ever woken up from a dream and your heart was racing because it was like a night terror or something like that? Have you ever done something in your dream where you woke up and say, should I confess that? It didn't really happen. Have you ever had a dream where something happened to you and you were just glad that you're, uh, uh, okay, that was, that was not real. Or have you ever had a fight with somebody in a dream and you woke up and you're still mad at them and then you realize they never did it? I mean, a lot can happen sometimes in our dreams. And, and Nebuchadnezzar woke up with a dream that truly, truly troubled him. It was a vision, and, and we were going to find out it was a vision of the future, and the vision of the future was frightening. Do any of you right now have a vision of the future and it's frightening? Nebuchadnezzar was there. And when you don't have a God concept, you react certain ways. Nebuchadnezzar did not, and let's look how he reacted. The king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. Get in here. Get in here. The magicians, those were scholars at that time who could write. Get in here. Those were enchanters who could commune with the dead, they felt. Um, Sorcerers, um, those who practiced divination. Get in the Chaldeans. That was kind of the priestly caste. Um, They studied the heavens. Get them in here. He collected his advisors who he thought would give them, give him wisdom. The king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Yeah, clearly, you've called us all in here. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, and, and this is a little transition. Daniel speaks in Aramaic for about five chapters here, and many believe it's because this would impact a, a global aspect. This would, have, this would have worldwide implications. I think some of the things we're going through have worldwide implications. He said, oh, king, live forever. A common salutation to a king. They normally often didn't want some of those kings to live forever, but they had to say that. They didn't want to die. Tell your servants the dream, and we will show them the interpretation. Go ahead, tell us your dream, Nebuchadnezzar. What were you dreaming? He said this. The word for me is firm. Okay, that means Nebuchadnezzar's hot, he's upset, and and he means business. If you don't make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you're going to be torn limb from limb, and your houses shall be laid in ruins 
But if you show me the dream and its interpretation, you'll receive mercy from me, from gifts and rewards and great honor. And therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. You're going to be torn limb from limb. You see, Nebuchadnezzar was known for his torture chambers. He had these things. He had fiery furnaces where he would burn people alive in public sections of the city. He also, he also had dens. Many of the kings had dens, and they put lions in them. And, and they would actually throw people into these lion's dens and, and have them eaten and destroyed by the lions. I mean, this is the kind of king Nebuchadnezzar was. And so when he says, you're going to be torn limb from limb, he means, I'm going to get my lions to rip you apart. Wow. What's going on here? The word for me is firm. They answered a second time. Well, I would answer too. Let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show them the interpretation. And so the king answered and said, I know with certainty what you are trying to gain time for because you see that the word from me is firm. This is a stall tactic you're using. If you, look, he says, if you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me. Till the times change, you want me to forget my dream and you're going to make up some kind of politically correct interpretation to make me happy. I know what you're up to, therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you show me its interpretation. Oh boy. Nebuchadnezzar's like, hey, here's the deal. You tell me what I dreamt last night or I'm throwing you into a roaring lion's den and be ripped limb from limb. Folks, the king is absolutely panicking about his dream. He has a future vision, and it's terrifying. And panic can sometimes lead to the roars from the enemy. And what happens during panic so often, it can lead to irrational reactions, hasty decrees, and crippling ramifications. That's what panic can lead to. Have any of you felt any of this? I put this slide together two weeks ago. It's aged well. Panic can lead to things. Therefore, children of God, when we're living in times possibly of panic or possibly of great prudence, and we do not know, we need to know how to properly respond with a God-centered worldview. Let's look how the king's counselors respond first, though. You guys see this. Do you think it'll be good? Do you think good, good reaction, bad reaction? Watch this. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand. For, for no great and powerful king has ever asked such a thing of any magician or chanter or Chaldean. This is unprecedented. No king has ever asked of this. This is ridiculous. The, the thing that the king has asked is just too difficult, and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is, is not with flesh. We, we've never seen, this is unfair what's happening. I don't like what's going on. This isn't how it should be. There's overreactions here, king. We're, 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 we're gonna do something that could have long-lasting ramifications, God. How do you think the king responded to their reaction? You think he's like, yeah, you're right. You think that's what he said? Like, oh yeah, that's... Because of this, the king was angry and very furious. He commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be destroyed. And so the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed and they sought Daniel and his companions to kill him. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Daniel? 
This king has thrown together all these decrees and now he's saying, I want all the wise men in my kingdom killed. Well, that, that includes Daniel. That's Daniel's county too. What, what? Now, now all of a sudden, these decrees have fallen on, on guys like Daniel. Folks, um, you've heard of uh, panic attacks, right? Uh, you get the tightness in your chest, you get hot flashes, um, full of anxiety. Um, I was sitting with somebody this week, and <laughs> they were going through years now of battling cancer. And uh, this man's wife was in tears, and she said, fear can sometimes come on you, even when you're in the faith and you're reading the scriptures, but you know you're your spouse is going for a chemo treatment. You're not sure his body is strong enough for it anymore. And as tears flow down her eyes, you ever, you ever feel like fear is assaulting you? I think sometimes we've all felt that fear was assaulting us, literally beating us up. I'm going to refer to it as a panic assault. It's when another decision has been forced upon you that you have no control over and you're forced to live in it. Here's a question. How do you respond when others make decisions that you're frightened will have a negative impact on you? How do you respond? Can I show you how Daniel responded? I want to show you seven ways that he responded here to how the king is reacting. And then the last five minutes of our sermon here this morning, I want to give you seven ways to respond right within your community. Can I show you? Seven ways. Feel free to write these down. Watch this man of God encounter panic with incredible wisdom in very anxious times. I think you'll be blessed by it. Daniel, seven wise responses in anxious times. Here we go. Then Daniel found out, okay, that he is on the killing block. And he replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch. That was the commander over top of him. The captain of the king's guard, and, and who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. Prudence, the word means wisdom, farsightedness, calculation. Not a quick, hasty response. It's discretion, which is a word that means caution, showing maturity, tact, responsibility. First thing we see from Daniel, write it down. He replied with prudence and discretion. Not haste, not fear, not terror. He just said, let's collect our thinking. Let's find out what's going on. I'm going to respond with prudence and discretion. Our church, when we found out about this news, it changed a lot from Tuesday to Thursday. And one of the things we decided as a leadership was say, hey, hold off, hold off. Let's evaluate this. Because I'll tell you what, on Tuesday, I was planning this weekend to go visit my son and watch him play baseball. On Friday, he was home from college. A lot changed in a couple days. And so when anxious times come, don't make rash decisions. Collect yourself, process, reply with prudence and discretion. 
he, he said to Arioch, look what, look what Daniel said. Why is the decree so urgent? What's going on? Do I not know something? Is there more to this than I might think? Why the reaction? Folks, here's the second thing. Daniel discovered as much information as possible. Write it down. Discover as much information as possible. Now, and I'm not saying go hunt down every source you can, but find out as much as you can so you can be informed. One of the things your leadership did when we found out this news is we began to call, not, not necessarily even one another, but health officials, advisors, and we chose God-fearing advisors. We chose God-fearing health officials. We wanted them to have a God worldview that he's in control. We wanted to hear their wisdom. We couldn't go off Facebook posts and Instagram um, stories. We wanted to go to sources. I called school officials in our area and spoke with them. I've even spoken to some of the local hospitals and just got wisdom from them. We wanted to get as much information as possible from collected minds we trusted. Daniel, okay, finds what's going on with the reaction. He then goes to Arioch and and made matter known to Daniel. So Arioch tells Daniel what's going on. Nebuchadnezzar, he's freaking out. He's making all these decrees and I have to kill you now. And Daniel went in and requested uh, to the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. Daniel says, hold up, wait. We'll talk into this. I need time to process. I need time to process. Folks, Daniel, in anxious times, he appointed a time to speak into the fear. Hey, hey, I don't have all the answers yet, but I need time. Let me have a minute to collect myself. I want to set up a time to talk to the king. When you're living in anxious times, you set up a time that you'll speak into the fear. Dad, you might need to say to your kids, hey, hey, everybody, this evening, dad's going to open the Bible, five o'clock, dad's speaking into this fear. I need a little time to collect myself, but we're going to speak into this fear. Appoint a time to speak into the fear. What I said to our guys, I said, look, I want to tell the church my heart. I want to make a video. We'll do it on Friday. We'll send it out in our Sunday's coming. We're going to appoint a time to speak into the fear, let us collect ourselves. We were just watching the prudence and discretion of Daniel. So then Daniel went into his house. Look what he did. He went into his house and he made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and his companions. Here's the fourth thing. Here's the fourth thing, ready? He consulted his circle of wise companions. Daniel said, everybody, come on, together. I'm not gonna work on this alone. I'm not gonna do this alone. I'm gonna get together with my companions. I'm going to get together with people I trust. He called his guys in who had like-minded faith. He didn't go to fear. He came to faith. And he said, let's discuss it together. Our boards got together. Our pastors got together. And we prayed over this. And I told those guys, I said, look, I don't want to do the traditions of men. I, I don't really care if this is abnormal. My entire heart in this whole situation is just be Jesus to the church. Just do what Jesus would do. And there were times where Jesus submitted to the authorities even over him unto death. But he was always Christ-centered through it all. And so we prayed that our church would represent Jesus during this time period. We consulted wisdom. 
And, and, and look, he, he asked the guys, hey, be praying. And he told them, seek mercy from God. Seek mercy. God, treat us in a way we don't deserve from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. We don't know what the future holds, God. We don't know what his dream was. We don't know what this, what this negative view of the future is. We don't even know ourselves. So we need you to show us. And, and so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Here's the fifth thing he did. He prayed for mercy and protection. You want to be Daniel in anxious times? Pray for mercy and protection. For your family, yes, but for your community. We can't be like, oh, who even cares about everybody else? We got to be saying, hey, what's best for everybody? These are not times of selfishness, but selflessness. Church. Our guys got together that night and they prayed. They were on their knees in the prayer room we used for a week of prayer. And, and we just bowed and prayed. A couple of our lead deacons, they, they took it in prayer. And we've been praying for you, church, in your home. Some of the leaders who are gathered here this morning with me, a couple of us. We've been praying, and we're going to continue to pray. Because that's what Daniel would do. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. And then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Listen to this prayer. If you're ever like, I think I have a pretty good prayer life. Here's Daniel's. Daniel answered, blessed be the name of God forever and ever. To him belong wisdom and might. I want you to hear how big Daniel's God is. You ready? Maybe you got like a little God who is scared right now in heaven. Watch how big Daniel's God is. Here it is, here it is. He changes times and seasons. Like that, he can change everything. You think your day is normal, and just like that, everything can change. He removes kings and sets them up. He puts the authorities in place, and if he doesn't want them there, he'll remove them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Scripture tells us, get wisdom. If it costs you everything you have, get understanding. We, we want to find wisdom in a situation for that's what the Proverbs, that's what God would want us to do. He reveals deep and hidden things and he knows what is in the darkness. He, he knows what evil will come of this. Here he knows. He's not gonna be like, oh, I did not see that. I didn't think that was gonna happen. He knows what's in the evil. Here he knows. And the light dwells within him. The more time you spend with your heavenly father, the more light is going to shine into your life. To you, he says, oh God of my fathers. You're the same God my fathers prayed to. Same God now, and I'm praying every night to the same God Daniel prayed, amen? I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have known, made now known to me what we asked of you for you have made known to us the king's matter. We know how we want to handle this. And so Daniel, here's the sixth thing in anxious times. He stepped forward with clear direction. Your leader said, we're going online on Sunday. We felt it was the right move. It honored our governor. It protected the church from looking foolhardy. It protected our people, our seniors. For people who might go, in the spirit of faith, walk in here with 
absolute sickness and possibly even viruses and get them sick and I could lose one of our dear seniors over someone's foolhardiness, protected them. And in prayerful wisdom, we all came to a unanimous decision, although difficult, that that was the right move. It had turned into a no-brainer by Friday, and now here on Saturday, it's a complete no-brainer. But when we made the decision Thursday night, we left going, even if we're made fun of this, we believe we've done the right thing for our church. We stepped forward with clear direction, and it took a process, not a, a quick move, but a process, and Daniel understood that as well. We knew our church isn't a building. Our church isn't a worship hour. Church is the body of Christ, and we can gather. And although this may be a situation created by social media, think how the Lord has given the church social media to continue even though this is occurring. May we focus on what God has done, not what has been done to us. Therefore, Daniel went to Antioch, let's finish it, and appointed Arioch, and, and whom the king appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus to him, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king. I'm going to show him the king's interpretation. Seven, last one, provided a God-honoring solution. Provided a God-honoring solution. One of the things your leadership decided during this situation, unprecedented times, anxiousness, we want to be Daniel. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go week to week. Week to week. We didn't want to shut down till through April. We didn't want to shut down. And, and many schools have very difficult decisions that the church doesn't have to make. And I am not questioning those decisions. In fact, I think they're made with extreme wisdom. And I can tell you this, church family, I reached out to three to four administrators because of the anxiousness I was feeling in my heart. And I called them or texted them and said, I'm praying for you. And each one of them stressed to me how much pressure they were feeling. How much, how much pressure one was actually driving around the vehicle by themselves praying when I got a hold of them. I mean, folks, be easy on your administrators. They're making a lot of hard decisions, and they can't just go, well, you know what I would do? They can't do that. They have to think through many different things, and they're being counseled by many different voices. Give them some grace during this time. Would you please seek to give your administrators a little grace to say, hey, they're doing the best they can, and even if I don't agree with their decisions, I'm going to trust that they have more information than me and are doing the best they can. He provided a God-honoring solution. I'll go before Nebuchadnezzar. We decided we're going to go week to week. We'll gather on Thursday nights, pray over it, and decide the weekend. So Daniel goes before Nebuchadnezzar. King Arioch brought Daniel before and king in haste and said to them, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known the king's inter interpretation. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen in its interpretation? And Daniel answered and said to the king, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or astrologer can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. What? What? Nebuchadnezzar's dream was of what will happen in the future? That's exactly right. Daniel says, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in your bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in your bed, thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. Nebuchadnezzar, as the head of Babylon, God had chosen in the Old Testament times to speak to him in a dream. 
Daniel says, but as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all of the living. This isn't because of me. But in order that the interpretation be made known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. God knows the thoughts of our minds. Here's the dream he had. Break this down just a little bit. There was this giant figure and this image had a a gold head. It had a chest with and arms that were silver. Belly and thighs were bronze and legs made of iron and and toes of clay, baked clay or the feet of clay. And and what happened is this, this image, this rock that was not made by hands came flying in and smashed the legs of the image. And it came crashing, crashing down. And the rock became a mountain. Nebuchadnezzar, you're the head of gold. It was his kingdom. 2,500 years later, we know some things about this prophecy. The head of gold, most likely, was Nebuchadnezzar's com- his kingdom. Chest and arms of silver were most likely the Persian Empire. The belly and thighs of bronze, most likely the Greek. The legs, iron, Romans. And the toes of Bay clay could possibly even be a ten-nation confederacy that the God of the universe will send his son to smash and destroy. We know that much of this prophecy is a final rock that will crush all kingdoms and that God will set up a kingdom that will not be destroyed. Amen? The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal my mystery. Daniel was right, that was the mystery. Then the king, he gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Whoa, Daniel's getting elevated. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. While Daniel went from dead man because of all the panic, he handled it with tremendous prudence and discretion. He submitted to the king even if it was going to mean he was going to die. He came to the king with solutions. He navigated this with incredible wisdom. And what the enemy meant for evil, trust me folks, God turned it for good. Do you believe he can do that with this situation, church? Do you believe that what the enemy meant for evil, God can take and use for good? I bet you got some negative visions of the future. This could happen, this could happen, this could happen. It's going to lead panic, it's going to keep you up all night. We got a bigger God than that. Think about all the good come out of this. Think how many people might listen to this message versus being in here. Think of how many opportunities the church is going to get to get outside its walls. Think about how the church has to rethink some of these things through this and get innovative. There's a lot of neat things that could come of this. And think of how happy we're going to be when we're all together here, hopefully, on Easter, right? That's what I'm praying for, prayerfully before. But we don't know. We're going to take this week to week. I want you to take this church, as Jesus would tell you, day to day. Let's not go into the future. God's got the future. Let's do what we can today to be Jesus Christ. So I promise you, 
Last five minutes, I would just give you seven things you can be doing, you can be doing right now, um, just some wisdom, wisdom, so we can walk like lions through this, okay? Let's get, let's get ultra practical right here, okay? One, dwell in the word. Dwell in the word. You don't need blogs and posts. You don't need more fear, more terror. Dwell in the word of God. If there is ever a time to say, I need to saturate myself in the truth, here it is, okay? And you got a paper Bible, grab that sucker, get it out, and write all over it during this time. You're going to love your journal notes during this time in a couple years, okay? You'll show your grandkids. I want to tell you something about coronavirus in 2020, okay? Second, speak faith and peace. Speak faith and peace. You know, Scripture says anxiety weighs the heart down. Do you know what brings it up? A kind word. I went into Wawa last night, and everybody's like walking around like this. Mm-hmm. Are we, what's going on? Should we have masks on? Okay, and, and the person making, and, and I, yes, I'm in Wawa a lot. And, and the person making the sandwiches was going, hey, how are you doing? And you should have seen people's countenances face changing. A kind word can cheer up anxiety. Dads, are the kids walking around a little nervous? I had one father share with me that his little girl said, why is this virus coming after us, Daddy? What an opportunity for a dad to say, hey, the gates of hell can't stand against Jesus and his church. God's got this, and he'll walk us through this. What a great opportunity for us to speak faith into peace more than ever before parents, leaders, teachers. Three, be responsible. Choose to act. Choose all your activities selflessly. Okay, let's be thinking about other people, not just ourselves. Yes, you're going to get inconvenienced probably through this. I know I already have. But let's be selfless right now. And and let's be smart if we're not feeling well and things like that. Because this could be a very severe threat. And if you're seeing what's going on in Italy, we don't want to see that here in our country. And so maybe if we respond quick, some things could not happen that we don't want to see happen. So let's, let's choose our activity selflessly. A, a four, live in gratitude. Isn't it so easy to focus on what we don't have during times like this? Let's focus on what we do have. Let's focus on the things that still are available to us and really learn what it means to walk through difficult circumstances focusing on what we still have. But there's so many things we still have. And maybe, maybe, honestly, it's probably a little good for our country to lose the God of sports for just a little bit. Maybe. Submit to wisdom. You don't know all the details. When I call different advisors, even within our community and within, within, even in the police forces in our areas, there were things I never even thought of that could happen with this. Every one of them shared some wisdom with me that I was like, man, I never even thought of that. And so submit to the wisdom around you. If you might go, I don't know why you got to do that. They might have a reason they did that. And, and so Right now, this isn't a time to buck decisions because you know what? This might have been the easiest decision this Sunday for the church. We might have even more difficult decisions that many of you aren't going to agree with moving forward. We don't know what we're going to encounter. I'm praying that's not the case. But submit, if you would, in wisdom and not, that's horrible. It's an unprecedented time. Two more, seize this opportunity, right? Right? Did, Did Jesus throw the church a softball? Like, here you go, kids. Remember when your kid was little and you tried to hit their bat for them? Okay, here, here, here. 
It's like Jesus goes, hey, everybody's going to be scared. Everybody's going to be anxious. Everybody's going, well, what's going to happen in the world? Christians, Christians, here you go. Okay, take it and hit it out of the park. Walk through the workplace. You know what's going to scare people more than this virus? Losing their job. And, and so here's an opportunity for our folks to speak and seize this opportunity as a church as well. And then finally, right church, right church, right? Pray for solutions. Pray. We got a big God. He, he may have let this coronavirus get over to one of the most strongest Christian nations to say, church, get on your knees and take this more seriously. So let's get on our knees. Let's get on this thing. Let's shut this virus down in the name of Jesus Christ, amen? And, and let's protect our people in prayer. Church, we have a power that we know of. Do you have that power? If you're sitting in your house today, do you know Jesus Christ is your personal savior? Are you filled with anxiousness and fear and you feel alone? Jesus says, I'm like a friend that sticks closer than anything you've ever imagined. And he wants to reach out to you right now as you're sinking in that water and say, come here, come to me. I'll give you rest. Scripture is so clear. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you ever accepted Jesus as your savior? You want to know peace that passes understanding? He offers that to his children. And, and scripture says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Maybe today, this virus came into your life so that you would receive life. Jesus Christ may be knocking on your door and saying, hey, you're not as in control as you think. But I can help you through this. Maybe today's your day where you finish by praying and saying, the only prayer I'm gonna be doing for a solution is to make sure that no matter what happens, I'm gonna spend eternity in heaven the things of earth are passing away. The things of eternity will be there forever. I pray that you would trust Jesus as your personal Savior. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we've gathered here online today, I pray you use this. I pray you use this sermon. I pray you use Daniel's example as a shining beacon in a very dark time. Lord, here's the reality. Bucks County, Montgomery County, we're kind of like the epicenter, kind of, for, for our governor's um, attention. And um, we're hearing words like quarantine, and, and we're hearing things like um, don't go out and things like this. And, and we're, we're trying to navigate this, God. And we're trying to be respectful, but we're also trying to walk in tremendous faith and, and not fear. So, Lord, give your church wisdom. Help us to process this correctly and help this to go from what the enemy meant for harm to turn into the most greatest thing, revival for our country that we have ever seen. God, is it possible you're hitting a big stinking button called reset on this country and how mean we've gotten, how nasty, and you're saying, hey, there's more important things in life than your favorite sports team, than going on trips, and they might be right in your house next to you on your couch right now. Lord, let us lean into you during this time. And may you be seen so evident through the church 
thank you, Lord, for providing the internet where we can blast out this truth to everyone. In your name we pray.